Good evening. It's good to see God's family together. A warm welcome to our visitors. We're delighted that we hope that we are a blessing to you, for you surely are a blessing to us. And our thoughts and prayers go out to our brother Dwayne. We hope and pray for his uh, healing and recovery. Well, another week has gone by, and another Sunday has come. And it's pretty much like many Sundays. Everyone looks good. Most people look good. They're, they're dressed their best. They smell nice. They're blessed to be off from work. They're in a good mood. Yeah, friendlier than, than normal than if you're like me, Monday mornings when you're fighting traffic. And uh, we say to each other, we're glad to see you. It's good to see you. And it is. And we meet together and we sing some hymns. And we have an opening prayer in which we ask sometimes for the preacher to have a ready recollection for the things he has prepared. We pray for the sick. We some more hymns, and we have the Lord's Supper. We usually read from Acts, um, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We sing some more hymns, and we have a sermon. Then we have an invitation song, closing prayer. And sometimes the phrase, we ask God to guide, guard, and direct us and to bring us back together at the appointed time. Does that all sound familiar to you? If you think that that pretty much sums it up, I want to say this to you. That is not what this is all about. That is not the core, the essence, Ultimately, what church is all about. And you say to yourself, okay, I'll humor you. What is church all about? Let's turn in our Bibles, if you would, to the Old Testament, to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 32, we're going to read a story about a man named Jacob. And we can take up this story in Genesis chapter 32, the first book of the Old Testament, in verse 22, where Moses writes, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons across the ford of the Jabbok, that is the Jabbok River. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, verse 24. And the man with him till daybreak. And we'll stop there. And you would say to yourself, um, are you trying to tell me that church is all about two men wrestling, getting all sweaty and dirty, rolling around? That that's what this is all about? And I would say, yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. But in order for this to make an ounce of sense, first let's look at the background of the story, and then we'll look at the details of the story. See, Jacob is the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, being the father of the faith, as he is called, and God often identifies himself in the Old Testament as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
through Abraham the promise is for the Messiah to come, through Abraham the Israelites come. When we get to Jacob, Jacob, he's a very interesting personality. Jacob fooled his father to receive the blessing that should have gone to his older brother Esau. In fact, Jacob's name means he grasps the heel. And that's how you trip somebody up. Like in football, you grab the heel and they trip. And it means thief. Some name to give to a son, huh? He deceives. After Jacob fools his father and receives the blessing that Esau should have received, he flees his land and he goes to a land and he meets Rachel, his wife-to-be, and his father-in-law to be Laban. There he, he has two wives, Rachel and Leah, and he collects maidservants and manservants and animals. Then God tells him to return to his homeland. And so, as Jacob back to his homeland, where his brother Esau is, he receives word that Esau is coming to meet him. And by the way, he has 400 men with him. If this was a movie, that would be the scene where the hero goes, uh-oh. As he sees the brother that he's cheated with 400 men, and he, he imagines this scene coming. So now as we go back to verse 20, I'll read this again. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over his possessions. He sent over everything. He's sending a gift ahead to Esau to try to pacify him. He's prayed for his life. So here's the scene. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with labor. And you know, that's one of the styles of the Bible. That's one of those nuances that is peculiar to the Bible. If this was a movie, you, you could see where it would be a scene like where Jacob is walking along and there's a tight way where there was a big tree or a boulder and a foreigner is walking by. Maybe they brush soldiers' um, shoulders and, and they say, hey, hey, look out, buddy. And, and then they, they start exchanging words and then they start pushing each other and then they wrestle with each other. And then you could see the scene happen. But not the Bible. The Bible just says, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Just out of the boom. Boom. We'll read on. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. They'd been wrestling through the night. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And by the way, the name Israel means he was with God. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? The first time you read this, whether it's tonight or many, many years ago, I hoped you stopped and said to yourself, 
whoa, what kind of answer is that? We're blessed with visitors here. And throughout the years, I've never had a visitor when I asked how I'm Carl, nice to meet you. What's your name? And they just said, why do you ask my name? No, no one's ever done that. So I'd like to thank the visitors for that. God bless Has anyone ever responded that way to you? No. So this is something that is very striking, very unusual. Now, there's only one other place that I know of where this question is asked. So mark this place here, Genesis 32, and turn over with me, if you would, to the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Judges, Joshua, Judges, 13. In Judges chapter 13, the situation here is that Israel and been enslaved by their arch enemies, if you will, the Philistines. They're enslaved constantly throughout the book of Judges. And so a visitor here has appeared to the wife of a man, Noah. And this visitor tells Manoah's wife that she will have a son. Although she is Sarah, she will have a son. Not just any son, but a Nazarite son. Promise. Then this visitor comes to visit Manoah himself. And in Judges chapter 13, verse 17, then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that we may honor you when your word comes true? That is about the son. He replied, Why do you ask my name? The same reply to this question. This is the only other place I know where it's at. But it doesn't stop here. Here he says, It is beyond understanding. And that's even more striking. Imagine someone telling you, my name is beyond understanding for you. So we have a striking situation here, this, this reply. Let's turn over, if you would, to the book of Isaiah. Because we're going to see where this phrase, beyond understanding, is used again. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 9, we read of a prophecy. It is a prophecy about a child to be born in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And here I read, Isaiah writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government is on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And you'd say, that's a beautiful passage, but... I don't see where the term beyond understanding is found. Understanding this, that the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew before it was translated into many languages and to, of course, English to this day. The phrase, it is beyond understanding, is not there in the English. 
but in Hebrew is, is translated wonderful. We have a hymn in our hymnals. His name is wonderful. And what that means is that the visitor that visited Manoah and his wife, his name is wonderful. And that the man that wrestled with Jacob, his also is wonderful. And we know who this prophecy is about in Isaiah. Because Jesus is wonderful. He is the one counselor, the mighty God. And the government is upon his shoulders. What that means is that the man wrestling with Jacob is Jesus. Let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 32. And it says in the end of verse 29, it says, Then he blessed him there, after he asked, Why do you ask my name? And in verse 30, So Jacob called the place Peniel. You can pronounce that any way you want to. Peniel is my best approximation. That means the face of God. Saying, It is because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spared. And the sun rose above him past Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. You know about uh, body parts and muscles. You know, if you ask young men our mids to you know, show me your muscles because you're in good shape, they'll show you a bicep. And that's kind of odd because... The bicep is, is a showy muscle, and I used to show them I had one, but the idea is that it's one of the weakest muscles in the body. You know, if you lift weights, your, your curls, the biceps, that's one of the low poundages. You lift the most for squatting or doing deadlifts. That involves the hips. See, the hips are the strongest voluntary part of the body. And when it says he was wrestling, with Jacob. It doesn't say he put him in a wrestling, put him in like a Boston Crab or a Full Nelson or whatever those colorful names those holds have. And he strained and he really tried to, to wrench his hip. It says he touched his hip. Stronger than a human. He touched his hip. And he overcame it. That is our Lord. Our wonderful Lord with us. So what does this story mean? See, Jacob's wrestling with God, it's symbolic. It's symbolic of our relationship with God, of our wrestling, our struggle with God. And you say, do I struggle with God? Let's turn to the New Testament. And we'll, we'll see, we'll get a picture of a person's wrestling with God in the Gospel of Matthew first book of the New Testament in Matthew 26 we can read of a struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 6 in verse 36 Matthew writes then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them sit here while I go over there and pray 
He took Peter's sons of Zebedee, who were James and John, the inner circle as they were called, along with them, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. What's the situation here? The Lord is going to die. He's going to be fired. He's going to be tortured and killed. And he doesn't say that he's taking this lightly. It says, my soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He could not be more upset. And he falls face to the ground. Have you ever prayed with your face to the ground? Think of that situation. And then he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Struggle. That's a struggle. And he's giving us this wonderful example. Not my will, but your will be done. And it's not just the Lord. It's you and me. It's certainly me. I can vouch for myself. Turn to Romans chapter 7, please. Acts, Romans, Corinthians. If you're going to go back to Romans. Romans chapter 7. And we're going to read in verse 15. Romans being written by our brother, the Apostle Paul, who I think is widely regarded as maybe the world's greatest Christian, most of the New Testament. Listen to what is who is called the world's greatest Christian writes, starting in verse 15, Romans 7. I do not understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. He's referring to the law of God. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. It is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. The NIV might read sinful nature. That's a, a poor translation, I'll say that. It is in the Greek, flesh. In my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No. The evil I do not want to do, this I am doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. This is the principle. When I want to do good, evil is right with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Does this sound like an easy time for Paul? It's an intense struggle. He's wrestling. And it's a struggle that we see or given this, this insight into Jesus' prayer. Not as I will but as you will. Who will rescue me from this body of... Who will rescue me? The same one that Jacob struggled with, wrestled with during the night, and overcame and was given in a blessing. The same one that I have struggled with to become a Christian, and you have struggled with. The same one 
that I have struggled with every day since I became a Christian until today. And the same one that I will struggle with every day of the rest of my life. The struggle being, not as I will, but as you will, O God. And he says, the one who it is, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one that will rescue us. And that is ultimately what this is all about. Our relationship, our struggle with the God who loves us and wants to do his will and wants us to bring us home to be with him forever and ever and ever. That's what this is all about. What a wonderful picture we have of Jacob as he wrestles with the man from nowhere who asks the question, why do you ask my name? To anyone who is not a Christian, I will ask this. Are you struggling with God? Are you struggling to overcome your disbelief? Jacob wrestled with the man, with Jesus, during, during, the, during the darkness. Because the unbelief is the darkness. Will you walk out of here? Will you leave here tonight having not been blessed by God to be called of God? Or will you, like Jacob, overcome and persist and hold on to receive God's blessing? You see, Jacob, he walked different after his wrestling. He wrenched his hip. He walked during the daybreak. He walked in the sunlight, as Christians walk in the light. And his walk was influenced by his encounter with the Lord, just as our daily walk is influenced by our encounter with the Lord. Don't leave here tonight without receiving God's blessing. Let's turn to our last passage tonight, Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is giving the first gospel sermon. In verse 36, he concludes this sermon by saying this, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. May this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus is Lord. He is Christ. He is the Messiah and anointed one. In verse 37 it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other brothers, What shall we do? They had a struggle inside. Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Do you have a struggle? Well, then I urge you to come forward, to be baptized, believe in the Lord Jesus, to repent of all your wrongs, and to become a child of God, and join us in that relationship with God. Join in the promises for you and me. If you will, please come forward now while we stand and sing.